Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. I'm uh, feeling good about my um, self-control after the Thanksgiving Day weekend. <laughs> I did. I did some w- w- reasonable uh, food control and also reasonable shopping control. So I'm pretty feeling overall good about that. How about yourself? Um, I, let's see, I went to a casino down the road from, well, that doesn't sound like (laughs) fiscally controlled Dennis. I spent a week in Las Vegas and did zero gambling. So (laughs) for that, that to, to your, to your self control point. No, I went to the restaurant inside of a casino down the road and they had the whole works, turkey and gravy and cranberry and mashed potatoes and pie. Um, it was a decent deal too. Not, not the super crazy like fifteen cent buffets or whatever that you see in the movies. I assume there's, there are those things like adjusted for inflation. This was like, I don't know, twenty three bucks, and it was the meal plus uh, soup or salad and choice of pumpkin or pecan pie. Uh, I went with pumpkin just because it's Thanksgiving, although. The pecan might have been better. The pumpkin it was fine, but like the best pumpkin pie I've ever had was just fine. Like I don't think I've ever had any that was significantly uh, better or worse than any other. Um, and I spent Thursday and Friday doing another stupid Factorio run. Uh, got the bug I, the, I get that's the, not bad that's not bad it's, I, as long I as get it's fun the, i get the news on steam and they're working on new stuff and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try another run mostly vanilla and and just see how it goes and i got all the way to the end uh like saturday or sunday well not sunday because i traveled so it was saturday um maybe even friday night like i stayed up too late and did all stupid things but um nothing was different and so i went and looked at the like actually read the updates that they post and they're mm-hmm. working on a 2.0 version. It's like an expansion. They're going to do all this like multiple planet space exploration stuff. None of it's out yet. Like, Oh, well, Oh, well, I probably yeah. would have spent that time playing Baldur's gate or something instead. So it's not a, not a terrible loss. Right. True. Well, that's never a bad thing to you know play something you really like and enjoy and i and i know it's sometimes we have that oh we should be doing something new but i mean i i I have that too right where i just want to go back and and uh play a game that i really enjoy i mean it's what some of those games are kind of made for that like for example diablo Um, Mm. diablo is one of those ones you pick up and play for a night and then like okay wash my hands i've done that uh i say that because sid knight when she comes we have a we have a player game it was it was interesting. We have a two-player game that we play and playing through the story because she's not played through the story. And okay. we had started them last season, and they were seasonal characters. And then they got dumped right over into the what's called the Eternal Realms. The normal, and, yeah. Right. And Sid was – the first thing she did was like, well, where's all – I know there was a menu here that had a list of all the things that we were supposed to do and, like, you know, to make sure we do them. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that was the seasonal list. And now we don't have that anymore. Right. So that was, I mean, 
anytime I've played season stuff in games, I, I recognize it. But Diablo's Diablo's the only game I know that just shuts down a character and then you can no longer participate in that stuff again. Like uh, or or participate in future things again. Um like for example, when Overwatch when they had or um Overwatch, Fortnite, um, Paladins, anything that has seasons in it. You play your character, you do a season, they close the stuff. You can't get that seasonal stuff again, but you can play with your character in the next season. In Diablo, it's like, nope, start all over and you're forced. And you, even if you wanted to have your characters, you know, participate in the new season, you have to start all over from level one. Um, so it was kind of, that's the only game that's ever done that. And it was a little sad that we can't participate. And then she can't participate in the new seasons because, you know, she doesn't, we only play when she comes and visits. Uh, on those characters. So she's like, well, I'd like to do the season stuff, but cause that was fun. But I'm like, yeah, well they force you to start all over again. Um, so she was like, well, that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Um, and Diablo's haven't, it's, it was a, it's been Diablo news. Big surprise that they're, they were one of the big heavy discounted, um, games. This black Friday oh, season. It went I, from. Didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, they usually, Every year, Black Friday has, I'd say, four major games throughout the year that are heavily discounted. Um, in this this year, games were from seventy dollars that you know they were full price to forty bucks. Um, mm. th- those games, and I'm not talking about all of the million Steam sales or things like that, but like you know, you go to the store buy physical copies are um, from new AAA titles, um, God of War Ragnarok. Hogwarts Legacy, Mortal Kombat 1, Street... No, sorry, not Mortal... Yes, Mortal Kombat 1, Street Fighter 6, and Diablo 4. Um, and Diablo 4 is certainly one of the newest ones to come out. And But it was like, what, May, right? June? Something like that? So six months is a good time. Yeah, I don't know... I don't remember what the pricing was because they did all their premium things again, like their add-ons. And it's it doesn't... I wouldn't say it doesn't surprise me, but it it sort of makes sense that they would discount that. I mean, I'm not too familiar with those other games, but because they have a, a, a season pass system in 4 that they didn't have in 3, like they'll have, Diablo 4 will have a recurring or a, or a long tail revenue stream that Diablo 3 didn't have. Um, so yeah, it yeah, makes, they're, they're, it makes sense to me that they would go, okay, let's discount the box price to get more people in, um, potentially. For yeah, that, that's that, that's that whole free to play model or, or whatever is like, oh, you know, we just need you to get in or the, what's the model that PlayStation and Xbox does to give their games away for free, air quotes free as part mm-hmm. of the package so that you can go buy all their extras. Right. Like back for blood, maybe, maybe free this month, but you know. They're releasing all these new expansions since then, so they want you to spend a little bit of money there. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. It's it's cool and neat, but so many times it you can it's blatantly obvious where the these should have been these things should have been included in the main game. I'm I'm not specifically talking about Diablo. Well, kind of Diablo, but um, we'll say Mortal Kombat for example. I'm playing through the story in Mortal Kombat 1, which, news, I guess, I bought Mortal Kombat 1. And it's fantastic. I really love the story. It's the weirdest thing that NetherRealm Studios can actually have a fighting game that has a, a story. And it's like a movie. 
but you play against characters that have full movesets and then aren't available. And you know, like, well, like, for example, a character named Ermac. Like, he's going to be available. Like, you know it, right? And he's in the game. They just chose to not let you do him and want you to sell him for you later. Hmm. And that kind of bugs me a little bit. You know, it's like you spent the time and effort to make this game and to ship it. And then now you're going to nickel and dime me for the actual stuff. Um, it's kind of one of those things that if it was going to be, okay, we'll put these, we'll put this game out full game complete and then see how it does. And if people want more, we can spend more time and effort to make more money for from it. But here they're like, now nah, we're going to actually make a full game, take parts out, ship it with it, and then charge you extra beyond that. Kind of like feels like a super hidden fees. Sure. I mean, I know sometimes like, like with a game like Diablo, like they just, they ship what they have and are like, you know, maybe if they, they'll add a character class later or something, but that's going to take, you know, development time to get, Right, yeah, Diablo is not really stuff. one of those. Diablo like, I don't know, with, doesn't with have a, the character in the game already, you know. Yeah, with a fighting game, that's a little different. Yeah. And and with the, the where Diablo's specifically transgression goes in this one is that they didn't actually finish a story. I mean, they kind of did, but they didn't really. Um, that's nitpick aside. The game itself is pretty there. Um, anyway, uh, I I did not buy all. I bought. I was going to buy all the games that I mentioned there earlier, but I only bought Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, and I think that was it. Um, I didn't, I was going to buy Hogwarts Legacy. I was going to buy um, the other game I mentioned, I can't think of right now, but I was just like, oh, uh, Ragnarok. But I just really got started sitting down. Like I have some still a lot of AAA titles that just sitting on the shelf over there that I still have to play. And I want Hogwarts Legacy, but it, it doesn't hurt for me to play it next year and when it's going to be 20 bucks and I'm ready to play it. So, yeah, if there's no like other people playing and hype that you're trying to you right. know, uh, be a part of, that makes sense. There's just no reason to, especially single player stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. But. Yeah, and it, and it's you know it's you know I was thinking right before the show about this. And I thought, man, it's a little it's a little sad when I'm going to say this because the sadness is, is that I've gotten to the point in my life, gaming life or media life or whatever, that I I just can't I I'm accepting that I cannot go through some of these long long single player games in the time that I used to, you know that they're just backing up on me and mm-hmm. and. To be quite fair, I sometimes will lose interest in them, you know, three quarters of the way through or so, um, and, or get caught up on the open worldness and something. Um, I need to do a better job of finishing and just not worry about the extra stuff. Horizons, uh, Forbidden West is one of those examples. Um, anyway, moving forward. Uh, last week, we didn't get an opportunity to talk about Monarch, so we're going to talk about that today. Loki has finished, um, I think, three weeks now, two two or three weeks since um, we're recording here. Um, I watched The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and uh, my two-minute review, or 
60-second review will be that it is a very well-directed... Uh, Sydney really wanted to watch it. That's why we went to see it. I was not on my queue. Um, but it was a very well-directed, well-shot, very well-performed, and pretty good written script. Everything in it was good. It was a good film to sit down and watch. But, like the initial thoughts of it was and I think Fox said this multiple times, there's no point in it. Even when you watch the film, you're like, I know everything that here, I know what's going to happen. And with like maybe one small minor exception, it just does it. It, it does not add anything to your hunger games experience. You know, it's um, also, I, I typically have a problem with tragedies. Anyway, the, the entire world of hunger games is a tragic world where you live in despair and sadness and hopelessness. And Susan Collins never did a good job of pulling you out of that at the end or giving you any kind of like hope. Um, Cause it even ends on this PTSD characters and the world doesn't necessarily, it overthrows one government, but replaces it with another terrible government. Yeah. So, I only watched the first maybe two movies, but I, li- I listened to audiobooks of all the books and I was so like bored with it by the time it was done. Mm-hmm. It just didn't have an ending. And it, that's one of those things that always reminds me of you were saying where, you know, you, sometimes it's hard to stick to landing. People don't, you know, endings are hard. And, and with that serious exact thing, it just, it, it, I, I was, when I was talking to Sydney about this, for me, my personal taste on things is that it's good that you have dour, sad, depressing, horrible things that heroes are in or the world is things. Uh, but being able to overcome those obstacles and create a better thing to give hope to the hopelessness is something that I want and that I enjoy. And I think a lot of audiences do enjoy uh, so you got to really make that ending kind of thing. But Susan Collins didn't write that. I think she wanted to in the third book. It felt like she was kind of doing it, but she just must not know how to do happy um, because the, the happy ending, which I think the game, the hunger games was supposed to have a happy ending just really wasn't. Um, and hence why a lot of people say that ending sucked. This one is the same thing. And that we know the main character ends up a terrible, horrible bad guy in their other movies hunger games don't end they're not ended here so we have these when we have another hunger games in this film they're not going to stop it it's still going to be kids killing other kids it's going to be tragedy tragic deaths everyone's going to be sad and upset about it people are going to get angry but nothing's going to change because we know that it doesn't change right so what's the point of this film was when i came out of it it's like there's there's just no real point and I can't say that anyone on the team didn't do a fantastic job. They really did good, but it never really should have been made or the concept of it should have been, you know, what's the reason for it? Um, yeah. And I put it's it, a, it's yeah. a prequel, isn't it? Yeah. It's a prequel. It's like yeah. 60 years before or something like that. It, I, I, I told Sid when I walked out, I said, I put it exactly in the same category as uh solo, like good, good movie all around but doesn't give you anything more or do anything for you or there's not real reason and nobody really wanted it type thing. Sure. Uh, so yeah, that, that's my, it was a little bit more than a minute or two, but that's it. That's all I got to say about that one. Hmm. Um, if you're a hunger games fan and you're like rabid about it, it's another one for you, but 
Sure. That's it. Um, what else we got? You. So, we want to talk about Monarch real quick? Sure. Apple Plus, right? Yep. Godzilla. Apple TV Plus. Um, it's uh, Kurt Russell and nobody else. <laughs> no, nobody else. Kurt um, Russell's son. His son in flashbacks. Yeah. He's been in some things recently, so. And and honestly, Kurt Russell was in in the third episode. We've seen three so far as this recording. Mm-hmm. Friday the fourth comes out. Um and Kurt Russell was in the third one, but I don't think he did a whole lot. Right? I feel like the episode was mostly flashback, yeah. Mostly flashback, right. Uh, okay, so anyway, overall, it's a Godzilla thing based on, or Titans, based in the MonsterVerse, which is comprised of Godzilla, um, Godzilla King of Monsters, King Kong, or just called Kong, and Kong versus Godzilla. So it's set in that whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been three episodes. How do you feel about this so far? Um, I mean, it's interesting. It's a little, I don't know. I, I said this last week, you know, Apple, Apple TV has a reputation, at least from what I've seen. And maybe I've just only seen the things recommended to me. And of course the phenomenal Ted Lasso, um, (laughs) so that I just think they make mostly good things and they are actually you know not not that i'm saying that this is bad but it has its moments where i'm just like okay can can something happen it just the pacing is really slow here at the beginning i kind of agree agree. and and there's a lot going on like they're they're telling at least two stories at the same time because they keep flashing back and forth between the present well the present is like 20 17 or something um and the past to the 50s um and so they're sort of like doing the thing like uh boy like lost there's probably a better example of that uh better than a better example than that but they're doing the sort of um like like rationing out information Mm -hmm, right um in in the writing like there's all this stuff going on in the frame and there's people chasing people going after people and trying to figure out who is who is what and you know what exactly monarch is and whose side they're on and what their goals are and then at the same time like showing us via flashbacks like the origins of some of the stuff right yeah um you know the legacy right going from yeah from parents to children kind of thing the the legacy of monsters the legacy of monsters exactly and that stuff is interesting to me but i feel like it's taking a long time to get anywhere i agree it's it's an hour long show, so that's one thing. There are ten episodes, 
Um, it will finish January 12th. So it's going to, it's like week to week to week to week. So that's, I think that's pretty good. Um, but I absolutely agree with you. It's not bad, but, and I'm along for the ride, but I'm not like exhilarated on the seat of my pants. What's next, you know, or have all sorts of questions or the real thing is like, there's some questions, but they're not necessarily burning questions, right? Like, Oh, I really want to find out what happens here or this person's motives or whatever. They just really isn't that we've got a, uh, a dad. That's probably the biggest question is the dad who has two, two lives. Why did he have two lives? Honestly, that's not really a burning question for me because that's something that happens. And there could be a million reasons that are just very mundane. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It's like, there's something missing in the, in the, the, I don't want to say story formula, but in the, like in the characters or in um, something in the world where it's just not like, I, I'm not finding it engaging, right? Like yeah. there's, there's angst between the two young characters because they're half siblings who, you know, had no, no idea the other families existed. Um, and there should be like, you, you know, tension there. There is tension there, but I don't, I don't know how much I care. Sort of as you alluded yeah. to there. Um, they're also th like the the script and the and the show is is not doing much to make me care. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know enough about either character to really. Um, be invested in their in their motivations like i assume the answer of you know why their dad had two lies is important to them but the show is not really telling me why is not really showing me that it's important why to them. i should care yeah why yeah why why i should care and i i feel bad saying that but you know that's that's kind of that's a little bit how I feel about all of it like there are so many like so much of it is a mystery but not not a mystery that I'm like oh man I wonder who Monarch is gonna turn out to be I'm like well in the future they're they seem pretty bad so you know maybe they're leading up to a big reveal or something but if th th they get to do something to like make that interesting. I mean, even lost for the first couple seasons had, had mysteries that you were like, Oh man, what is that monster? What is that smoke monster? What is that right. hatch? What's down in the hatch? Like, what are those numbers? Like there was enough there. There was enough, um, like breadcrumbs or, you know, just really like, the, the characters had a lot of emotion and, and conflict and stuff to, to keep you engaged with that, where I just am not getting that from this. And I don't know if, yeah. you know, some of that is probably me. I've been watching the episodes kind of late at night, but, um, no, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's you. I, I think say, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I believe that some of that is, be, is the way that it's definitely writing structure here. It's, it's happening. Um, cause everything else I'm, 
fine with the show, but this problem is caused by writing structure here. So you have, you know, mysteries are supposed to be like when you switch from, because this, this show is doing this big time thing where it's, first off, that's a kind of annoying thing for me when you do this is this. Now we're watching stuff in the past. Now we're watching stuff in the future. Now we're watching stuff in the past. Now we're watching stuff in the future. Like, that's fine if one is showing things to the other, like our one informs the other, right? But this, when they switch to the past, doesn't really have any bearing on what's happening in the future, almost at all. And yeah, the future ex- stuff except, doesn't except matter. Except in as much as it's um, like the origins of Monarch. Yeah, and... but, but in the future, Monarch's not a thing it's not even the same thing that they're dealing with in the past right at least right now in the three episodes right like right we think yeah. monarch is started by these three characters who are looking for monsters but in the future we don't even know anything about monarch except there are these people that are completely underdeveloped because you've got a guy that seems nice but then as soon as he gets even least, least bit offended he like pulls a gun and starts trying to grab people and kidnap them and it just completely doesn't make any sense I'm not here to hurt you, but let me let me tie you up. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not here. I don't mean you any harm, but let me break into your house and then threaten you. So, you know, just there's it doesn't make any sense. So anyway, the, the, the past and the future, it's when you switch to the past, you're not finding out like, oh, it's important that they found this letter because she wrote the letter in the past. None of that kind of happens, you know. Um, right. You know... That there's, there, there's, there's obviously some connection, but it's so distant that it doesn't make you invested in the events of the past. Exactly. And that's kind of my, my point there. When you're watching this film and it switches to the past, it's basically putting a pause on two stories without a reason for them to be connected beyond the fact that Kurt Russell is young here and old here. And Kurt Russell in the future really is important at all right now to the story, honestly. And I don't even know why, really why they're, he's there with them. But the... That pause just makes you now for the next 10, 15 minutes, you're not interested in that last story again. Then you come, which wasn't really an interesting story anyway. And now we're going to come back to it and drop this other story that doesn't really have a big interesting thing. So it's almost like there are two separate shows happening here that aren't really connected. One could be a prequel to this show here. Um, And that doesn't make good story structure or interesting stuff. Again, not that the story, the two stories aren't interesting and I could watch them, but the fact that I have to watch them intercut cut with each other is just, it slows things down, I think. And to your point, yeah, it makes I mean, it again, I, ass- I assume they're building towards some kind of reveal, right? Where we'll find out, we'll be like, oh man, this was the whole, but there's just not, there's not enough in what we're seeing now to to make me feel like like I don't feel like when we get to that reveal that I'm going to care because I don't care now about what's happening. Yeah. Um and that's not a good uh, sign for a brand new series, right? You you want to be able to in the first episode get people like, "Ooh, that's why Lost was so huge." And I had a million questions after that very first episode. Right. Yeah. Again, I hate referencing Lost, but if you're talking about mysteries, it's one of the king kings of them. Yeah, just because it has that that big what's in the box um like question and and also because this is part of the monster verse we already know most of these answers like the last 
big Godzilla, well, not Godzilla versus Kong, but Godzilla King of Monsters did a really good job of explaining all the extra stuff. And Kong versus Godzilla even expanded upon that, upon the hollow earth theory and that there's, they get around, that's how they get around and what the Titans are for. And then uh, Godzilla King of Monsters with Godira, they, they fully explain what the Titans are here for and what, why they're there and what they do. And then it, at the ending, it shows that they're here to help the world. So this isn't going to answer those questions. We already know the answers to that. Mm. So what is the questions that were, what is the mystery? And that's kind of, I think, what struggles with this show. But I'm going to still watch it because it's not bad. And it's pretty well shot. And the actors are doing a good job. It almost feels like that thing I said with The Hunger Games. It's kind of like, what's the point? <laughs> mm-hmm. what, are we, what, are we, what are we doing here? Uh, so we'll, we'll keep watching that and uh, move forward. Uh, moving on. Let's do Loki. So this sure. is the series ended as well as the season two. Um, I, before I, we get into questions or thoughts on it, the writer for Loki has been tapped to write the next Avengers movie. Okay. And uh, I just, I want to say that at first and then we can go forward. Um, so season two, we saw Loki after he who remains was, uh, killed at the end of season one and then Loki gets brought back to the TVA and now has to, the TVA doesn't exist, but it does exist and it's falling apart and time is unraveling and there's all these branches that are happening now. No one's pruning the timelines anymore. Do, do, uh, do you, let me, let me hit the bell here. Oh, okay. That was all season one stuff, but yes. Oh, right. He's at the TVA. Okay, so we're going to talk about season two of Loki. So if you've not seen it and don't want to get spoiled um, on the plot or the ending, skip ahead. Okay, sorry. I, what you described sound very similar to the beginning of, a, of the final episode. So that's Yeah, so, so that, that's, that's season one ended, and now we're here. TVA is kind of in a topsy-turvy thing. Loki is skipping around in time in the first episode, which I think we mentioned earlier when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we end up with, you know, Ouroboros, the variant of Kang, or He Who Remains, um, and all of that stuff. And they kind of time travel around. Well, I guess overall, let's talk about, let me ask you about the season. Season two, not the overall thing how, how do you feel was season two fun to watch and did you enjoy season two yeah i i said this um in our chat but it has some doctor who energy um, okay partly i mean partly because it's time travel and also because Wait, did you say timey-wimey i said time travel but yeah, okay yeah, it's my bad, it's i misheard it, there's there's a lot of nonsense uh, in the in the writing in the dialogue, right? They're like, "Oh, you need a temporal loom to keep the timelines from diverging and keep the sacred timeline." And you're time slipping, and that's not possible in the TVA. But if you're this and this, and they'll just put a bunch of nonsense, made up words, um, exactly the way that Doctor Who does. Um, <clears throat> and the the final episode had a lot of that. Um with a little bit of uh, Doctor Strange 
um, time looping thing. Yeah. Um, and I mostly didn't mind that. Um, I think something in something either in season one or in all the Marvel content we've seen since, um, when this season started, I was like, okay, sure. He's slipping through time and he doesn't know. And the explanations are all made up nonsense. Um, I'm, I'm not upset about that. I'm just, you know, here's Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson and Key Kwan, uh, like be, and, and the others, the other members of the cast. Um, just, you know, being, playing these characters and not necessarily being funny, but just like some of it's funny, some of it's weird, some of it's nonsense. And I, I just didn't mind. I was like, yeah, this is what this is. And just sort of here for the ride. Very like, uh, that's very Doctor Who-ish, right? That does sound. Sunrise. Just bit. a thing that happens and you go on. Yeah. Um I agree. Um the hmm, the last episode was really good. Like they did the thing where they did stick the landing. But mm-hmm. I I'm not entirely certain that the journey was great. Like I'm talking about just season two. Sure. It was fine. Um Loki in the first two episodes time slipping was interesting but the rest of it was like anything with um he who remains variant i i completely forget anything about it like it doesn't seem important or that i care um and there was the stuff with the other rave or the can't remember her name she was the girl that was trying to stop them or recreate the stuff there were two different like villains or three villains in here that were completely uh, forgettable renslayer Renslayer, right, Renslayer. Then there was the the military lady and her mm-hmm. army that got shut down in one half of a scene. Yeah. And and then there was the Hunter X guy or something, and he was boring and lame, and I didn't care. <laughs> so right. I could have watched, honestly, I could have watched the first two or three episodes where they do Loki time skipping. Then... Uh, and that probably also include, included the fact that these other people had lives, other lives, um, mm-hmm. and then went straight into the finale. I, like it just, there was a lot of, I don't care in the middle there. Sure. And until that last episode, I was very like, okay, if they don't do something here. I'm going to say it was a bad, another bad Marvel series. Sure. Um, but they did flip it, end it. And part of that was, I think a surprise in general that people didn't know it was a series finale and thought it was a season finale. Mm. So you didn't have a guess that Loki's going to sacrifice himself for it. Right. Yeah. You know, so when that happened and then he does the whole, you know, for you, for all of us line, Mm -hmm. Um, which by the way was, I think I read improvised on the thing that wasn't a written line. Hmm. And um, I think Hiddleston had, had, brought it in and so i say all that because the fact that this writer like this loki season two and the series is getting really pretty good reviews word of mouth kind of thing though that was cool we all love what happened that last episode we love loki and what you know he's now this on the throne and all the correlations to the, the his big character arc 
come together with this last episode. But I don't think the writing for the entire series was great. Just that last episode. And so I don't know why they were like, they're just jumping on this writer as he's some awesome writer to write an entire Avengers movie. Um, that if it, if this series is anything to indication, it'll be weird and nonsensical and doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> and then the last, the last act will be like, cool. You know, I mean, um, I mean, from, from the, the way you describe it, it sounds like there's maybe a movie's worth of good story in this season. So maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe you're right. That. Yeah. Yeah, and it was only six episodes, so intentionally was short. Yeah, yeah, maybe may, may right. You know, who knows? But anyway, I okay now. Series, not season. Series feelings. Um, I you went first last time, so I'm going to go first this time. I, I liked the Loki series; it was interesting. We have talked along at length about how it's not the same Loki and why, and it's different, and his journey, who this is. Uh, so I won't go into that, but taking that away and just saying from episode one to the last episode of this se- of season two, um, I like the character arc of this Loki. He's really cool. He's interesting. He's a, of course, Tom Hiddleston's amazing. Um, played with this character. Uh, I was surprised by um, Morbius, not Morbius. What's, Mo- Mo- what's the guy? His Mobius. Name? Mobius. Like his character. I always expected like another shoe to fall with him, but it never did. It's just, he's mm. kind of a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it wears everything he has on the out, on his outside. Um, and those two characters were great. Uh, the character of Sophie was cool for one season and then has nothing to do in season two. So maybe it would have been cooler if they had played a little bit more of her and Loki's relationship in season two. Mm. Um, but so it kind of felt like they went halfway with that character. I love Ouroboros, but he's only in season season two. Um, so overall, I like it. I liked the Loki series. I think it would be a good, a pretty fun recommendation to most people that that like the MCU, um, mm-hmm. and would be a fun time to to sit and watch if you've not seen it before. How do you feel about Loki the the, the series? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know that there's anything there that I that I disagree with. Um, I think we talked at length when we had uh, Fox and Jill on about Loki's the character of Loki's uh, character development in this series. You know, because it's sort of a whiplash from um, the the mainline Loki who we saw in the um, Infinity Saga to this Loki who is fresh off the end of 2012 Avengers um, and sort of going through that character development and um, really, really rapidly turning from villain to hero, which in the main canon took 10 years of movies. Um, This series did in a couple episodes, um, which is a little rough. Uh, But as I said on on that episode, I would not have wanted to see, you know, cheesy 2012 Avengers villain Loki for a season or more before he gets to that point. Um, the Sylvie character does seem like they built her up a lot in season one and then she's 
just kind of there in season two. Like she has a couple of important moments, but you know, for the most part is not really there. Um, yeah. I mean, mostly it was fine. I mean, relatively high on the list of, of, um, Marvel streaming series. Um, not the best one, but not the worst by any, by any stretch. Um, right. So, yeah, there was nothing, and I don't know, season one has been a while ago, so I, it's it's hard, it's harder to say with that one. Um, but for season two, there was nothing like, there's nothing really bad that I was like, ugh, this is this is rough. Like it was more entertaining all the way through than, um, like Falcon and winter soldier or I don't know what some of the other ones were. Well, see, see, remember season one had season one had like Loki discovering the TVA. Then we had Mm -hmm. Loki hunting down another Loki. Then we had the realization that Loki was a female Loki and he traveled with her and had this, kind of developing relationship happen. Yeah. We had him go to the, they traveled. Remember he got like whatever it's called when they get stabbed by the laser sword thing. And they went to the edge of time or something. And there was meeting all the other Loki's and that whole stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, then they finally ended with he who remains. So that whole first season had a lot of like bullet points throughout it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I got that on the next one. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. For sure, yeah, yeah, uh, n- not bad. Again, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just you know maybe not as good as season one. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's it's, it's a a recommendation, but um, okay. Also, um, some of those tie-ins that people are doing with with that sometimes rabid fans can piece things together or see things in a story that the writers didn't necessarily write. I don't know if you've read these kind of things before. Oftentimes writers will not in this context, but sure. Well, writers will come and say like, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I always meant that. And then later on in their waning years, we'll say like, no, nah, I didn't really, it was just kind of a cool thing that the fans noticed. And uh, you know, like, Oh, that put that together. For example, he sits on a throne at the end and that, you know, now everybody's like, oh, before he told Tony Stark told him that there was no throne at the end of this. And that's where they're leading. Like, no, he, he, the writers didn't mean to do that. It wasn't a correlation. But because there's so much history here, the fans went back and found a clip and then put it to this thing. Right. And it makes it cool, um, which I like. But oftentimes that's not it's just a happy accident that happens with some of these things mm-hmm. ah, so yeah I don't have much more to say about that with Loki but yeah alright what else do we got here Dennis um, let's see I started what did I start I started watching the new season of Fargo um, oh I have not seen any of Fargo or the movie Fargo oh wow yeah. Um I I watched the movie. It feels weird, don't you know? Year, years ago. Um I watched the first two seasons of the series 
almost said anime. Um, <laughs> season one with uh, um, oh Martin Freeman, Bilbo slash mm-hmm. Watson, okay Sherlock. Um, and season two, I believe, had uh, Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son. Those might have been okay. the same season. I don't remember for sure. And then I dropped off it after that, but a, a season five just started, and it's got John Hamm. Um, um, oh my gosh, Don Draper from Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. And Juno Temple, who is um, um, Keeley in Ted Lasso. Oh, I like Keeley. Yeah, she's she's kind of the main character. There's a lot. I mean, I like of, the actress that plays Keeley. I should say. Yeah, I don't yeah. Learn it. yeah. She's. Um, I saw her in uh, the the offer, which is the sort of docudrama about um, um, the making of the Godfather. Okay. She was the main producer's assistant, doing an American accent, and. Wild. In Fargo, she's a local to this North Dakota town, so she's doing a a Minnesotan accent. It's a little, it's a little jarring. Um, <laughs> I bet. And she's got such a thick English accent. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. That makes me wonder, like how how much of her character in Ted Lasso is her own voice, or if she's um, exaggerating that for that. But yeah, weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah, not much to say. I mean, there's a lot of mysteries and questions because that's kind of how Fargo is. But, um, and I don't know. After your um, thing talking about Hunger Games, I don't know if even I don't know even if it's a series that I would recommend um, because it's a it's a weird. It's almost like its own genre, and there are probably things like this now, but. They call it, I don't know, I don't know if this is official, but it's like, it's like true crime with quotes around true, because it's a fictional story, but it's told as if it were a real story. Okay. So everything is, like a lot of things happen that don't seem, um don't seem like they have a point like it's not crafted like a story you know with a story arc and and characters but much more like well this happens and this cop goes looking for him and he gets lost in the fog and freezes to death and that's it (laughs) and it's just a thing that happens because it like if if this were a true story that would be a thing that happened okay Uh, i think the series has better and i don't know it's been a long time since i saw the movie but i feel like the series um has better endings than the movie did um where some stuff gets wrapped up at the end but i feel like i feel like there are some i've only seen two but i feel like there are some where the guy just gets like they never catch him and something else happens to him and it just ends it's you probably know the movie Fargo is a Coen Brothers movie. So okay. that tells you um I mean the Coens made Big Lebowski, which is probably right. um right. 
one of their most uh, popular because it's sort of the least it's you know it's not as grim as their other ones but we also watched um no country or for, no country for old men which is which is very much in their style or um mm-hmm. i think the buster scruggs ballad, i don't know i watched a little bit of ballad that of buster scruggs yeah. yeah i was like i can't i can't watch this <laughs> whatever frame of mind i was in at the time i was like i can't i can't handle i think this. we watched like three episodes or something like that and we're like pass it's too dark um so yeah it's 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 definitely a tricky one to recommend or even or even describe but anyway i started that second season i don't know or that fifth season i don't have i really don't have anything else fifth, fifth season like oh, yeah it it's it's also done um is it worth five seasons like is it one of those well, ones like, man, this thing should have been canceled a long time ago. Or? So it's not, um, it's not ongoing. They're seasonal anthologies. So season one is one whole story, and then season two is a whole different story. Um, there are a couple. I've only again, I've only seen season one and two. There were a couple of character overlaps um, because. I want to say season one was in like the 80s and then season two was in like the 70s. Maybe it's 90s and 70s. Season two was earlier than season one. This season five is in 2019, I think, uh, or maybe 2009, um, one or the other. So it jumps around and I think... Like, one of the main characters in season one was just, like, a little girl in season two. And so you see her dad, and her dad is, um, in season one, as, like, he used to be a cop and now he works at a diner. It's, um, Keith Carradine, I think. Okay. And then in season two, he's a young man with a little baby girl. And so he's good. And so you have a little bit of the, like, okay, well, I know he survives, but literally everybody else here is up for grabs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you don't, you don't have to watch all of it. That's why I said I watched one and two and now I'm starting season five. Like maybe there's some, something that happened in season three and four, not something that happened, but some characters or some connections between those seasons, but I'm not worried about it because the seasons are isolated stories. Hmm. Which okay. is a kind of, kind of unique thing too. That's a, doesn't that, there's like, you know, like a true detective did that or something. I've never seen true detective, but I saw the first season of true detective and I think maybe it did a similar thing. That was, that was another weird one. Like it got so sort of like supernatural or metaphysical or something that it just kind of, um, was overwhelming. Um, also, wasn't there a series that had Jessica Biel? Yeah, she the did sinner. something like that. What was it? The Sinner. Yeah, that, that had like a at least I know two seasons, right? And they weren't related, but similar, right? Yeah, we watched that. Honestly, I don't remember anything about that. I, I just remember the first season was good, and then but it had a clear ending, and it was done. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah. did a season two, and I the word was that it's not even the same 
character's story. It's a whole other story. Weird. So that made me think of the true detective thing, which now you're saying this thing, Fargo, is kind of like that too. So it's weird. Yeah. I mean, interesting. It's like a season anthology type idea. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's how Doctor Who used to be made in the original, like before the reboot. Um, yeah. That was their, the English or British um, format of, of series instead of season where a series is just a set of episodes and classic doctor who would do one story per series. So it would be instead of the, the 45 minute episodes they do now, they would do 20 minute episodes, like half hour episodes with ads. And then like five or six of those would be one story. And so you'd just get a little bit of it each week. And then the next series would be another story. Still the same characters, you know, episodic like modern Doctor Who is, like Star Trek, you know, just episodic stories. It just would take them more than one episode um, to tell a story. Yeah. So even though the episodes um, were shorter, the, the stories were longer. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on another subject, I don't think this one will go along because you're not a huge Star Wars fan in general. I mean, you like Star Wars, but not huge Star Wars fan. But I'm sure. curious on your thoughts on this one, because it's not really a crazy, amazing news or anything, but we'll see what you think. Uh, you and I have, and many, many people have felt that Kathleen Kennedy is one of the issues with why the Star Wars universe hasn't maintained its um, appeal over the years since Disney got it. Um, sure. Not putting it all on her shoulders, but you know, more needs to be done at that level. Um, and recently, in the last couple of weeks, um, I want to say it was only a week or two ago, uh, Dave Filoni, you know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. The Soka creator, runs a lot of the yep. TV stuff, big yep. creator. Got a promotion uh, as a chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. Now, okay. he was basically creative developer for a lot of the TV series stuff, the Disney plus series things. Um, but he was in his own words, he would, a lot of the projects he would be brought into it after it's already been in, developed a good ways, meaning mm-hmm. like for the Mandalorian, um, they already had, um, uh, the director guy, which I'm drawing a blank for, um, Favreau? happy from, yeah, Favreau, John, there had Favreau. They wanted to, they, you know, the level of Kathleen Kennedy, they said, we want to do a Mandalorian story and brought him in and then brought these other people in. And then they bring in Filoni to like advise and, to, you know, be kind of a creative person with that. Uh, sure. But he doesn't get a pick or direct that kind of things. But with this new control. position, Filoni is now, he works right alongside Kathleen Kennedy to determine what films and TV shows and Star Wars things should be developed, made, and their guiding structure. Okay. How do you feel about that? And do you think that that's a positive step in the Star Wars universe world? Or should they have looked elsewhere for new thoughts instead of, you know, the current um, Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka and um, Rebels? You know, I... I in the past have have taken umbrage or 
offense when when my not that whatever my my appreciation or or opinions on on star wars are less relevant because i'm more of a star trek fan and that's a whole conversation that's dumb comparison whatever um but in this case it is good that you pointed that out because i am not well versed on any of this like behind the scenes drama it's very inside I'm, baseball I'm, right yeah. yeah i'm i'm on record as as being fully in the blame kathleen kennedy camp uh part of that is just because of anecdotes that i've heard like apparently there's a commentary track for um the last jedi where Ryan Johnson uh, watches some of the things like the Leia spacewalk and says things like, oh, Kathleen Kennedy really wanted this. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, Ryan Johnson is still not completely off the hook, but if if some of the more egregious things in that movie were not his fault, I'm like, okay. And plus it's, you know, it's a little bit of just person at the top, right? Like, the mm-hmm, the biggest right. meta issue with the Star Wars sequels is that they clearly didn't have a plan. They didn't have a single creative vision for right. a trilogy of movies that they made as a trilogy, right? Like Lord of the Rings. You know, the, some of the some of the issues with the original trilogy are that same thing, not for not for having changed uh um changed horses midstream, but that, you know, the first was a sort of you know, experiment, like we're going to do this crazy space opera thing. And then it was so successful that Lucas got another one and was like, oh, well, I've got a bigger story. I've already told it all in one movie, but let's back up and, you know, dude, it's not, I'm oversimplifying that drastically. But um, anyway, um, I mean, this, I'm not expanding what you're saying, that that, that this new title, Chief Creative Officer, seems to be made for what, to address what you're just saying. Right. Like they didn't yeah. have a creative yeah. officer, it, it, just a president. Yeah. I like, I like the idea of there being a, uh, not to, we keep using Kevin Feige as this example, but no, he, he he's a perfect example. Like a, a single, like, you know, person with, with a, an affection for, um, the series. I don't know. Or the, the IP, I don't remember how much we've talked about Ahsoka. Um, that series had had a lot of ups and downs. I agree. Um, it it By had the way, a hand... Feige's title is Chief Creative Officer, so the nouns okay. are the same. And I, I know Ahsoka, that I know that Filoni is is deeply connected to the Ahsoka story with those cartoon series. Rebels, um, right? Rebels and Clone Wars, mm-hmm. um, and that makes me a little skeptical because right, it, right. you know, some of the things people said was like, "This is, this is Filoni doing a Star Wars D and D campaign and just mm-hmm. having yeah. fun with it." And there were good moments in that series, but there were so many. Like most episodes I watched, just completely ambivalent. I was like, Agreed. okay, sure, there's this character. Like, I knew that it was going to be a lot of fan service for fans of those cartoons, um, which I did not watch. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. 
they're in the gap, right? That by the time they came That's out, so much was, of them too. I was too old to watch them, and there's so many episodes. I mean, I've watched like half a dozen episodes of Clone Wars and the movie, right? Um, so I know some of the characters, um, but really just Ahsoka, um, and I recognize some of the names. Like I'm pretty sure I have a nephew who's named after Ezra Bridger. Um, (laughs) but yeah, the, the series just kind of floundered and there were a couple moments where I was like, this is, this is really dumb. Like this is a, this is a scene that should be in a show for kids. And that's fine. Like, like that, I'm not, I'm not offended by that except for the fact that so much of the rest of the season was clearly not was, you know, clearly trying to be more mature storytelling. Um, so I don't know all of that to say with my very limited understanding, which I described at length a minute ago, Hmm. I think it's good to have a single person in charge of, or, you know, a single head over creative, um, that, uh, uh, I I don't think that person should be Kathleen Kennedy, and right. I'm skeptical that Filoni is that guy, but I could that, be completely wrong. That that that's a that's really good points on all those, and I, I think I agree with all of them with one side addition. Uh, it would be that Filoni's involvement and uh, getting down to the nitty gritty are the the parts that I've generally thought was pretty boring of the new stuff since clone wars rebels and etc 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 when he is directly involved in writing and directly involved in uh, directing I don't think it goes well and it's just ups and downs and mixed and it feels like this guy has good thoughts but may not be like the best of the professional writers or directors or stuff. Right. Um, and that's not a knock. He probably is better than I am. I'm I'm not (laughs) saying that, but you know, but, um, but he does know just by listening to him talk and, and his vision is the thing he's got. He's got, I think he's got really good vision, right? Like what he wants the big picture to be. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, making that big, turning that big picture into following through and making it an interesting thing because of your knowledge of all of the facets of, of um, making television or making a movie or making stuff. Um, That's a whole nother, that's a whole multiple jobs, right. That are very specialized. Um, So where his failings, I perceive his failings uh, for me in these movie and TV world um, I think those things he won't be involved in anymore. I think as a cr- chief creative officer, he can he can finally be that, hey, there's this big story of the Jedi Academy that's not been told. And we can probably explore Luke's character and, you know, why he became this kind of way and then give that big picture and hand it off to director, writer and producers for a project. Right. Instead of mm-hmm. him getting down there and not doing so well with those details. Sure. Um, so I, I do think that it is a, a, a good move. I think it's even better move for his properties because yes, he wants to get Ahsoka going. Yes. He wants to get the rebels crew going. Yeah. 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 But maybe he just sticks with the big creative plan, which now his new job is 
and let other people do the details of that. You know, we've got really great directors and really great writers, you know, that can do probably a great job at that. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's good and it will be better. I'm glad that I'm actually glad to not see him m- making, you know, being like doing all of the, the Disney plus stuff from now on. <laughs> Sadly, he's actually going to be making a movie that he's writing and directing. So we'll see how that goes. But I think that'll probably be his last in that kind of role uh, for that. All right. It was an, an interesting little thing. Not a huge news, but, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully for the future of the franchise, as they say, sure. uh, it can it can actually be. And, and the fact that we didn't even have one of those it was just by a president who deals with things like marketing as well as merchandising, as well as everything else. You know, there's it's good to have a, a creative person there. Um, okay. So one thing we got to hear on our list is that, uh, last week I played Ticket to Ride Legacy, the board game. Mm, right. Um, that's our, we started that on our regular game night, um, on Tuesdays. And it's by those listening to know what a legacy game is, um, you play a game, the, the rule book instructs you either in the middle of the game or at the end of the game to do something based on your actions in the game and you will it will change the game for the next session and things will change based on how you react. Oftentimes that is a new rule is introduced, a sticker gets taken out of the box that we didn't see before and put into the rule book, new pieces come out, you will often change the board by writing on it or putting stickers on the board. So the game drastically changes from from session to session. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know, hopefully we all know Ticket to Ride, the game. If you haven't played Ticket to Ride, go out and play it. It's probably one of the best games of all time. Um, and they made that into a legacy. Our buddy Mike Trotsky has bought two copies of this very expensive game so that we can be running two of these games at the same time. I think it plays five players and we have six or seven. So sure. it's kind of one of those things. Um, we've played uh, two two uh, games in about two hours or less. We were really, really quick. Um, and it's because Ticket to Ride is, in general, is a very quick game. It's one of its huge positives that you just have a turn with limited things and move forward. Um, and just I'm playing with Justin... Chris and Captain Chris and myself and Justin would often sit down for the first like 15 minutes. He'd sit down, he'd take a turn and then he'd, he'd be looking at something. And then we'd be like, Justin, it's your turn. Like 45 seconds later. And he was like, Oh, Oh, I just not used to not having all this analysis paralysis in between my turns. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause ticket to write doesn't really need all that. Um, so that carried on with this legacy game. Um, things without any spoilers is, and the first thing, the map is considerably small. It is, takes place on the East coast of the United States, goes from basically Chicago down to Louisiana somewhere. And then all out East, it's not the same cities, all new cities. Um, a few different rules, like they don't, you don't score when you place trains down. If you place in the original game, if you place two trains, you get so many points. If you place four train or four cars, I guess you would get 
so many points. That's no longer a thing. Now you get points for however many trains you have left over at the, you have, the more trains you have left over, the least points you get. Okay. Um, and then there are kind of victory points that are available through the throughout the game. Um, like completing a route gets you money, like coins, and that's victory points. Uh, so okay. besides that, the game plays almost, almost identical. Um, the, the one exception is you pick a color. There is a story, by the way, which I won't ruin for it. There is a story that it's, t- it's telling you through this now. And yeah, is, th- it sort of, is it sort of following American history? No, what? not at all. No. Not at all. No, it's like a fictional fictional world where railroad tycoons are big and taking over and you're setting out to be the next railroad tycoon and the biggest railroad company on the planet his was just like the owner was just murdered and now there's other people jumping in to try and take his place and some of them are underhanded so they may put some bad things out on the board for us etc cetera, etc cetera. nice um, but it's all completely fictional stuff um so in the first game you pick a color i was red chris is green and justin i think blue maybe and the only major, really major difference in the rules was that when you put a a route down on your color, like I put up on a blue, I had blue colors and blue blue route, and I'm playing blue, I get two victory points for that. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, that's right now not a big deal. We didn't really force to push it, but sometimes when now when I was looking at routes, I'm like, how can I get there by going the, the most red numbers, mm-hmm. right? Um, you also, in this first first go, you have a much l- limited number of trains to put down. So that made it, I only had like 15 or something, so it was very short. Oh, that increases yeah. the more games we play because the game right. will get bigger. So we, we hypothesize that the quick pace of this game will slow down a little bit as we move forward sure. and things get added. Um, and the only other new thing, too, is that there are events. There's an event deck with like currently only six cards in it. There are like six or eight, depending on the number of players, of uh, what's called newspaper cards that are dealt into the um, train stack where you pick out colors. You know, I got a red one, I got a blue, I got a rainbow one. And if you pick up a newspaper, that means draw an event card. And that event card will happen, will stay in effect until another event card is drawn. And Currently, there are things like gray. All gray routes cost double, or blue routes cost take an extra train. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all white, all white cards are wild now. You know, so stuff like that adds a little bit of a variety. Um, at the end of the first game, we added to that. One of the things we did is we added to the event deck. There was the cards that got added to that. Um, there were some mechanics, which I won't spoil. Um, but in the two games we played that second game started introducing a a couple new mechanics where cards are completely removed from the game and routes are completely removed from the game, uh, based on a couple effects that happen and choices. So the old problem of, Oh, I'm a classic ticket to ride player. And I know that you've got this route. So I'm going to block you here. Doesn't always hold through because that route may have been eliminated from the game 
or a new one added. Um, sure. So it's it's kind of does that kind of stuff. But long and short of it is, it's real fun. I love Ticket to Ride. It's all Ticket to Ride, and then just slowly introducing a little bit of stuff. And games quick, fast, light, easy. Easy is a good word. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, still got some strategy. But I just love how quick the game plays, and I don't have to wait for my turn to play the next turn. Just go, 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 go. Game's over. Cool. Let's do another one. And sure. rarely have I heard our group say, let's play another one right now. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, and we did. Uh, the only other thing, too, is it was neat. Our two tables were playing the, in the same room, same day at the same time, So, and we finish about the same time. We kind of read the story together, and then when okay. a new box opens up, we open them up together. Nice. So the whole room kind of participates in the new things. So, cool. And then we can share on like, oh, ours did this because we did that. And like, oh, you did this? Well, we got that. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. I, so, I saw you guys playing it, and I contemplated um, getting a copy to play with my family. Of course, for us, it would be like play a couple of games once a year when we're all together. And so I, I kind of like, almost uh, feel like you could do it, though. Like, you guys played Gloomhaven, didn't you? We, a, a handful of us played Gloomhaven, but we didn't play it very far. Um, I mean, this game only plays like four or five players at most. Right. So we would we would have to decide, like, who is going to play. And then, you know, over the, over the week of the holiday, there are 12 missions. And I don't think mm-hmm. we could get through all 12 over a week of Christmas. Like there's an, too many other things going on. People, I guarantee you could get, you could get through half of them. I can almost guarantee it. Right. Um, so you'd have to like play it next year or 4th of July or something like that. Um, and then you might have to get only do get through three cause it might take a little longer, but yeah, now, I know we stopped because captain Chris wasn't actually there and Sydney was playing for him, but we would have played another and maybe another. In one night, I bet you we could have blew through four really quick. And you played tickets right. It's not hard to explain, right? It's super simple, right? Well, and and most of them already know how to play um, the the regular game. Yeah, I I do feel that or your family would totally work with it. I think that actually most families could play this one. the The real barrier to entry there is that it's over a hundred dollars for the game. Yeah, yeah, it's expensive, and I'm tr- I'm still trying to figure out if people want to do the big Lego set thing again, like I did last year with the mm-hmm. with the Saturn V rocket. Oh yeah, that that seemed a, a a good popular thing you guys did, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just the set that the set that people like, the people are interested in doing, is a five hundred dollar Lord of the Rings set, not uh, like. I bought the Saturn V rocket, but it was right around 200, which if I, you know, when I distributed up into everybody's stockings was just a little more than I would have spent buying $10 gifts for everybody. And so that was fine, but I'm like, I can't, I can't drop 500 bucks. Uh, yeah. For, for something like that. But well, and just to hope that they all enjoy it as much, right? Right. Yeah. Cause it, there was varying level of, of enthusiasm for the, for the Legos. But it's, it, I know I saw the pictures looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, ticket to ride legacy, definitely thumbs up. 
fun. Cool. It's clearly the most accessible legacy game I've seen. Um, I think it was 120 bucks. So I just looked it up is what you can get it for. Yeah. Um, on, I think it's out. It's, it's right now it's hard to get it simply because as soon as they get new stock, it goes immediately away. Right. Um, cause everybody's buying it up pretty quickly. Oh, wait, it's two to five players. I, I didn't see that one. Um, it says lasting between 20 and 90 minutes. And I believe that. I believe that a game is actually 20 minutes um, at the beginning. And then I bet you the last game with all the rules and all the stuff would probably last 90 minutes. Sure. Kind of a slow ramp up type stuff. Um, but yeah, w- would recommend it to families for sure. Um, uh, swapping in and out characters, people, players, because like if you're playing it with family, in your case at only holidays, um, is possible. But the only thing is they'd have to learn some new rules. Um, you would probably want to do what's called teams so that let's say you and I, Dennis, were on a team and we're the red team. And so if you're playing, then uh, you're playing the red and I don't play. You play kind of play, play for me um, because the way it works is that you get victory points and then you write the victory points on a card and it goes into a little vault. You're a special little vault that's sealed hmm. and you don't know. And then at the end of all of the entire legacy campaign, you open that up and tally up all the points um, to see who won. Uh, so if you and I were on a team, you would just play one session and then you're not there next week. I play for you. And then we don't really know what that score is. We just put it in there. And then at the end of the time, we see if red won or green won, you know, type stuff. So that's a that very, works. a very Euro game. Yeah. Yeah, of, yeah, absolutely. Of course. All right. Let's see. What do we got here? Just got a few minutes left. Have you um, watched, have you started um, For All Mankind new season? I mean, I haven't. Uh, I, I love love that series. Talking Here, talking about the Saturn V reminded me of it. I knew there was right. something else new that I was watching, and I could not remember. Yeah, yeah, no it's 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 not a it's not a not forgotten thing because every time I open up Apple Plus to watch um, uh, the Godzilla show, um, I'm reminded that that's there. Also, there's the there's a, a channel on our Discord thing that stays lit up for me that I I don't read, so it's always kind of a reminder that I have that. Hmm. Um, I don't, don't give me any spoiler thing, but Generally, is it a fun season so far or interesting or compelling or is this or is it or are you getting feelings of like, man, this show is just kind of dragging it out to they, they went a couple seasons too too long. Um, It could be that they're getting very close to the present now. I think they're in the 2000s. OK, um, maybe 90s. But I feel like 90s was last year. I think 90s the, was last year. They did 60s. Black Hole Sun, was the thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is the the first decade of the two thousands. Um, you know, the there's still a handful of the original cast, which is awkward because their the their uh, old age makeup is not consistent um, between <laughs> yeah. characters. So they're like ninety or old, something now, aren't they? Some, some of them look a lot older. Some of them look barely older at all. Um, it does seem like they're maybe doing some things with, uh, with the younger characters, which, um, I was kind of assumed they were going to have to do eventually. 
they when did, they do this. But, like, but you and I never liked any of the thing. other characters, right? That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, the you know they're doing interest like it's it's just different every season. What they're doing, like now they've got a fully like well established Mars base, and so you know they're bringing people up, and there's different. You know, it's a lot of the a lot of the stuff from the last season, right? There's different nations involved. There's a private company, Helios, involved, and some of what happens on Earth impacts what happens on the base. But the base has been there long enough that it's not just this like, you know, frontier edge of survival thing. Like it's getting built up enough that there's going to be some, at least what I'm what I'm the vibe I'm getting from the first few episodes. Um, that there's maybe going to be some bigger kind of social uh, issues similar to the stuff they did in Battlestar Galactica, right? Because uh, Ronald D. Moore was one of the creators of BSG, and he's a big name on this. But um, yeah, what, what, what do you, do you? Um, are they still doing a lot of the space race type stuff, like U.S. versus China versus Russia? Is that still a central part? It's still part of it, but they're not that I've seen. There doesn't seem to be like everyone's sort of working together. Um, there's there's some uh, there's some conflict with North Korea because the North Koreans are there now too. Um, and the the Russians and or the the Americans and the Soviets have been working together there doesn't seem to be a big like some next big discovery that people are competing over um but there is you know a lot of political i mean just just like there's always been like there's some screw up and now the president wants um you know wants the things to go this way um they did a flash they did their whole like sequence of not even flashbacks, but the montage at the beginning of the season. And I don't remember who the president is. It might still be Ellen, but I've oh, not yeah, she, seen... She was at the end, I think, of last season. Yeah, it might still be her. They showed her like running against um, Gore and... Maybe one other. Well, I guess Gore was two thousand, so um, wherever that was. But we haven't seen. I haven't seen that character yet. Um, and really, in the in the earlier seasons, you barely see the president at all. You maybe see a little because, of course, they're real. Uh, you know, Nixon and and Reagan and. And stuff, and you don't really see them because they just use a little archival footage and and you know impersonated voice or whatever. Um, so that's not that different from the earlier seasons. Well, I do like to see the series a whole lot, and mm -hmm. my only reason I can give for not watching it yet is that you know, we're watching a couple of things. We've been busy a little bit, and I and I do uh, <clears throat> I have a track record of getting. Uh, anxious at shows that are released every week and I really want to binge watch them. Um, but I think this series should be released weekly like it is. And I like that. I'm a big fan of it, but 
I really want to watch it all because I'm so excited. I really loved this whole series and watching it in one go. So I'm not going to wait, but I'm not disappointed that I've got four to watch or something like that. <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Because I know I'm going to sit down and be like, I'll watch the next. I'll watch the next and, and be fine with that. That's me personally uh, for this series only. Uh, okay. So in, uh, I think that's what we got for this week. But next week, well, we did not get to watch. I did not get to watch Heavyweights this week. Um, so we'll con- move that one into next week for our movie. Um, and we're going to try to get Captain Chris on to watch one of his recommendations, right? What What is that? Yeah, this is something called The Coca-Cola Kid. Okay. Uh, it, I should have pulled this up. Okay. 1985. Okay. Um, I don't see any names here I recognize. I've um, I've never heard it of it, so you know, Chris and I had talked about how, um, you know, we we picked these films because he had asked like, well, what do you guys? How are you picking them? And he knew the poster and he knew how we were doing other stuff and like, what, mm-hmm. and and I had mentioned we were you know just doing things that we'd missed and hadn't seen and he, then immediately he kind of light bulb bulb turned and said like, oh, you should watch this and this and this. So it sounds great <laughs> that he finally came to you and, and put these on the list. Yeah, it sounds like a fictional story about an ex-Marine trying to market Coca-Cola in Australia. Hmm. So, okay. I have no idea. That's that's what, what I'm getting based on the summary. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I didn't... I, this is something I'd usually talk to you about off the air, um, but there is a new series. Oh, man. I should have I should have looked at this. Uh, have you seen a new series coming out with uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman? On... I feel like I maybe saw half a trailer, not half a trailer. Saw the first couple seconds of a trailer on TikTok. Um, it's called and... Fa- Fairway Downs. Have you have you heard that one? Uh, the name doesn't ring a bell, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I, it it kind of came up on a couple of my feeds, and then it was um, splashed across my screen on whatever. I can't know if it's a Hulu or Amazon or Apple Plus type thing. Um, but obviously, these two actors are um, from Australia, and this mm-hmm. takes place in Australia. And I think it's a period piece in cowboyish times. Um, okay. And it, it looks pretty. It, my point is, it looks pretty interesting, and I think I might start watching it. Well, the weird part about it, though, that really threw me for a loop, um, it's um, it looks like a young um, Nicole Kidman, and I know she's had like ridiculous amounts of plastic surgery to make herself like plastic. Um, right. But I can, when I every time I see her, I'm immediately turned off by that uncanny valley that she's not real um but in all the trailers and all the pictures and all the promotional stuff for this it doesn't look like that at all like like she looks like young nicole kidman i was like wait is this a film or a series that i missed um so that's why i kind of ask you if you'd heard about it or anything so but it's being released right now i guess uh six part series um so i'm gonna have to do a little bit of reading about it but i think for next week i i might come back and say hey we should watch this or not so all right. Um, 
well, that's that's everything. Feels like we got it short, all. We but did ju- it just just because we're under our target time. Feels like a short episode. It feels weird, yeah. right? Yeah. We're, we're just barely under our target time. All right, uh, where are my notes? Oh well. Uh, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode three hundred and twenty-five. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on all the things. If you would like to email us and tell us who you think should be uh, chief creative officer at uh, LucasArts, whatever it's called now, um, you can reach us via email. That address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we have contact forms there to reach out and uh, show notes when relevant. If you enjoy the show please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice and while you're there if you'd leave us a positive review please appreciate that it helps out in those rankings as always thanks so much for joining us until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch all right everybody see you next time